Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Okay, hi, welcome back to Set for Life. Today I have with me Dove Schwartz. Uh, Pastor Dove has a church in Pearland. And what's the name of your church? Calvary what? Chapel Watch Therefore Community Fellowship. Watch Therefore. And he also has a TV show. It's uh, You can find it at watchtherefore.tv. And so go give him a check and uh, see what he's got to say. He's got a lot of good stuff. Well, Dove, we got to talking about the subject of repentance. And that's a subject people don't want to hear. Is that right? Too often, there is a great deal of confusion and just the the missing understanding that we need to repent and believe in the gospel of our Savior, Jesus. You just quoted the verse I was about to go to. Go for it. That's an introduction. Take it. Mark Take it one, away, Ray. Yes. Uh, Mark one fifteen. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. He said, repent first. And I think that's interesting when you read that verse, um, repent is the first thing he said. I I have to admit this on the radio, I guess. it's When I was going to Bible college, um, I had this professor. He, we were supposed to have a different professor. He'd come in, and he rewrote the entire syllabus, and he made it twice as thick as the professor before us, so we were already mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be twice as much work. He had a real edgy way of pushing his message that didn't run well with me. I don't know what the deal was with me at the time. But he got into this repentance is necessary for salvation kick, and it agitated me at that back then. Okay, for my listeners, that was a long time ago, okay? Um, but so I took his aggressive style of teaching, and his repentance has to happen before salvation to mean that, no, repentance is not required. And so I went to him with Romans 10, verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't see the word repentance nowhere in there. So I brought that up, and he says, yes, but it's understood that if you're going to be a believer, you have repented of your sins. It's inclusive, understood in the verse. I'm like, no, I had that argument with him. It's not there. I don't see the word repent. And I, I just kind of raked him real good during a, a class break or something. I got into it with him. Well, as soon as class got going again, <laughs> he got to talking about repentance with the class, and he he spotlighted me directly in front of everybody. He says, you know, you got these people that will come up to you, and they will misuse verses like Romans 10, 9. You're like, one of those people, like weren't I, you, Ray? Right, I was. And he, he just kind of shined that light straight on me in class, and I was infuriated, though. I was mad. I was so angry. I couldn't even stay in the class. I think I got up and left. And probably marked myself, oh, that must be one of the guys that did it, you know. Because you need to repent, right? I I did. Actually, I did. Uh, I should have stayed in my chair and been quiet. But uh, So years later, I'm studying, and I'm realizing repentance is 
necessary. I mean, Jesus said it. I just read it, repent and believe in the gospel. So I took it upon myself. I've got to find this guy and see if he still works at the Bible college. So I looked up online and sure enough, he was still the registrar there. And I wrote him an email and I said, I don't know if you remember me or not. I, here's the interaction we had and I got all upset about it and you, you, you spotlighted me and I didn't like that, but probably it was necessary for you to do that to crack through my skull, I guess. And I'm sorry. And I wrote him an apology letter and you were right. And I was wrong. And, you know, I, I've got to be right about this. And thank you for being so firm with me about it. And Dove, we got to be firm with people on this subject because there's uh, a lot of people, they think, well, I, all I got to do is say this little, I hate to use the term, but I'm going to use the term magic line that, oh, Jesus is Lord and I'm good. And I don't have to change a, a thing. Mm-hmm. But Dove, Jesus said, repent first. Mm-hmm. He said to repent. And as my understanding is repent means stop it, cut it out, turn around, stop doing what you did. So Dove, we got to tell people about repentance. They're not getting it. They're like I was in the Bible class that day thinking, no, you just say Jesus is Lord and you're good. And they don't understand the repentance concept. Dove, what can we tell people about the importance of repentance and how it is absolutely uh, prerequisite necessary. Well, thanks for asking, Ray, and, and uh, thanks for having me uh, with you on the podcast today. And, and with regard to repentance, you began to introduce a moment ago what's first most important. What is it? What's the, how do we define repentance as it relates to the words of our Savior Jesus that you quoted in Mark 1? And so uh, it, it's such a dramatic change of mind right? It's not just a change. Oh, I changed my mind. I decided to go uh, have chicken instead of uh, uh, meat or red meat today. That's not what it is. Well, God save that person that thinks like that. It's such a dramatic (laughs) change of mind that it would cause a person to do an about face. It's also used as a military term, marching one way, doing about face and coming back the other way to change my direction. So uh, as we continue to unpack it, it would it would pertain to changing my mind so dramatically about my sin and who God is and who I am and who sits on the throne of my life. Do I sit on the throne of my life? Uh, am I going to change being the God of my life and ask Jesus the Lord to sit on the throne of my life, which would make such a dramatic change in my life It would turn me around from the way I'm going to the direction of the cross, where I now turn from my way and and turn to Jesus the Lord and believe that he died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day. And now he is Lord. I am not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a, that deep and, and dramatic of a change that must take place for me to follow Jesus the Lord. And you know the analogy I give, Ray. Um, I tell somebody, or I tell you, Ray, uh, tomorrow I'm going to Dallas, and I'm in Houston right now. I'm going to Dallas. And you say, well, well, when are you leaving Houston? And I say, well, I'm not leaving Houston. Well, wait a second, Dove. You just told me you're going to Dallas. Oh, I'm going to Dallas. But you're not leaving Houston. How can you not leave Houston and go to Dallas? Right. You see, it's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we live about maybe 10 miles apart, and for you to get here to the studio, you had to leave where you lived. Right. 
uh, we're, you know, friends, we're sitting in the same studio on mics across the table from each other, but he had to leave his home to come here. Right. So if I say I'm going to follow Jesus, the Lord, well, then I have to stop being the God of my own life. I have to leave. I have to, if someone's an adulterer or uh, um, a drug addict or, or whatever the case may be, they need to repent of those things and receive Jesus as Lord and let him come in right. and then clean up our lives. And one of the arguments people say is, well, what you're saying is, is people have to get cleaned up before they come to Jesus the Lord. No, he's the one. We come to faith by faith to him and he cleans us up. Well, it's the change of mind that's so dramatic that I would invite him and, and, and actually receive him into my life so he can clean me up. Right. 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 You haven't decided to get cleaned up. If you won't turn around, right. you're saying, no, Jesus, not right now. You know, only one king can sit on a throne at a time. There's not two kings of one country. Right. There's only one king at a time. And so if you're still on your own throne in your heart, Jesus can't be. He's not going to sit on that yeah. throne until you get off. And I like what you said. You got to change your mind about your sin. You said, I have to change my mind about my sin. Friends, whatever you're thinking about your sin, and maybe you're thinking, well, culture says it's okay. People parade it in the streets. It's all over the movies and TVs. Everybody's doing it. It's not wrong anymore. I'm sorry. Sin is whatever God's word says it is. And he lists sins. And he also has a, I think it's in Corinthians 6, I believe, a whole list of different kind of sins that uh, say these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's got a whole list of things in there. Mm -hmm. And some of them are today politically incorrectly edgy for people to hear that. Friends, you've got to change your mind about your sin. You've got to say, wait a minute, this is what God's word says about my sin. I have to stop and get off that throne. And before Jesus gets on, I got to leave uh, Dallas to get to Houston. I got to leave my life to get to Jesus Christ's life. Absolutely. And I, I heard a, a wonderful Calvary Chapel pastor use an old saying uh, just yesterday on the radio I was listening. And he said something like, uh, not only is sin bad because it's forget forbidden by God, it's forbidden by God because it's bad. It's not only bad because it's forbidden by God, but it's forbidden by God because it's bad. We have to get in our mind to come to Jesus the Lord to be saved that my sin is bad. Why would I do something as as life-changing as receiving Jesus as the Lord of my life, which changes everything about my life, Yeah, truth be told, right? Because he's Lord. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't, don't do, do what I tell you. things I tell you to do? Yeah. Well, to do the things he tells us to do, we have to repent of the things that we're doing that he's telling us not to do anymore. <laughs> if you're going to do what Jesus said, you got to stop your own. Uh, Dove, I got an interesting story that might dress this up. <clears throat> I, I used to weigh 70 pounds more than I do. I remember. I had inflammation real bad. My knees were always hurting. Uh, I couldn't breathe through my nose. I never could. My, I was constantly trying to clear it with sinus uh, drops, and I'm like, I can't keep doing this forever. I was always tired. I was under strain, uh, constantly physical. And I was at Whataburger one day, and I'm looking at these before and after shots of these people that were on this particular plan that I eventually got on. And man, they looked great. And they were talking about how good they felt and things were so much different. And I had a half eaten Whataburger in my hand. Right. And I looked up at the menu and it showed the caloric intake per serving. And I couldn't believe the thousands of calories in this one meal. And I was doing it to myself. Mm -hmm. So what I did, I got so upset. I was actually angry at myself. I had a lot of, you did this kind of attitude. You did it to yourself. 
I took the French fries that I had not yet eaten. I put the hamburger down. I threw the fries on top of the hamburger in the wrapper, you know, the little plastic mm-hmm. wrapper or the wax wrapper. And, I, and then I wrapped it all up together and I smushed it up in my hand because I was so angry. Made a fist with it. I right? made a fist with it and I, I, I smushed it up so that I would not want to finish eating it. That was where I had a change of my mind. Dramatic. About what, about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And you have to come to that, friends. I mean, friends, there's a lot of you, you're living in your life of sin. You're thinking, well, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. But you are under strain, and you'll wonder why your life's the way it is. It's because you are engaged in what the Bible says is willful sin. There's a saved sinner uh, that that's saved and forgiven. He commits an act of sin, and he's grieved by the Holy Spirit. Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, God, forgive me. Then there's the willful sinner. The willful sinner is like, I love my sin, I enjoy it, and I don't care what God thinks about it or anybody else, and I'm going to do it. Friends, those, those of you that are under that kind of strain, you need your, your Whataburger moment where you say, that's it, I have had it, I can't take this anymore, what do I do? Well, we're here to tell you what to do, repent and believe in the gospel, give it to Jesus. I always tell everybody, if you are tired of your life, give it to Jesus, he'll give you a new one. Amen. <laughs> so let him have it. So. I was, Dove, I've been uh, teaching through 2 Kings, and I came across a really neat part in the story. There had been a long series of kings that had pushed false gods, uh, the false god of Baal. They even mixed them up. They had, well, you know, whatever false god you want, come and take your variety pick. And they were putting these false god altars in the temple of God of all places, an absolute insult mockery. And then King Josiah comes along. He had a priest that found a copy of the law, and he read it to him, and I want to read to y'all. I want y'all to hear this, Second Kings twenty two eleven. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he tore his clothes. Friends, that's what the Jews would do when they were in distress. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Agbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Friends, he discovered, oh my gosh, we have been doing so wrong. And the the word of the Lord detailed and outlined how far off base they had been. And it distressed him. It produced what's called godly sorrow. And the sorrow was so great that Josiah actually got scared. He was scared of the wrath of God. Now, Dove, today, people aren't scared of the wrath of God. Yeah, there's no fear of God before their eyes. And it's interesting you brought that up because um, with my own personal testimony, I had been a drug addict for 18 years. And people told me how they commended me of how great it was and how smart I was to finally stop doing drugs. I said, no, I was just too afraid of God to put drugs in my body anymore. It wasn't smarts. It was fear. (laughs) Yeah, It was repentance that was accompanied with the fear of the Lord and then the love of the Lord as I began to turn from those things. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 that the Lord even grants repentance. He helps us to repent. And, And also something that's on my heart, Ray, that goes right along with that false worship that was going on in that temple is... A, a gospel of Jesus Christ without repentance is a false gospel. Let me share something from Galatians and then a passage in Luke. In Galatians chapter 1, 
of 6 through 9, the Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians about their false gospel. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now look what our risen Savior says in Luke 24 about the true gospel. And let's compare it to the the gospel without repentance that's so popular today. Uh, Luke 24, beginning in verse 46, then he said to them, thus It is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. That's the gospel, right? And what's the next verse? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, I don't think anyone could better define the gospel of Jesus Christ than Jesus Christ himself. Exactly. Our risen Savior. And he tells us it's a gospel of repentance. I always tell people there's no such thing as a non-repentant salvation. There's That's not. Right. That's right. You just can't do it. That's right. There's no such thing as driving to Dallas if you don't re- leave Houston. That's right. I mean, it's, it, we understand that, and it's it's basic 101 stuff. It's absurd to think that you can get saved without repenting. Well, I'll just keep doing what I want because Jesus just loves me so much. He wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because Jesus would like me to have what I want. That's right. And sin makes me happy. So I'm just going to keep sinning. And the more I sin, the more grace I'll get. And that's what Paul said. Shall we sin? The grace may abound. God forbid. No. Certainly not. Yeah. You know, friends, I, I, uh, I know some. there's a lot of people out there hearing this today. You're thinking what you're doing is not sin. You're you're thinking in your mind and your rationalization, uh, the way you justify things. You're, you've come up with this little loophole gymnastics thing where what you're doing is really okay. Well, you there's a pressure on you. There is a pressure in your life that you know is there. You've got that little pressure in there, and you don't know what it is. You've been wondering what is this thing, and why won't it go away? If Jesus loves me so much and wants me to be happy, why doesn't he re- just remove this thing? Because that little pressured thing is trying to get you down on your knees. It's trying to get you to that point of fear. Oh, my gosh, I messed up. God, forgive me. Like Josiah said, that's why that's there, friend. And so you can justify it in your mind all you want. But down in your heart, you're, you're aching. And you need to be rid of that ache. And this is how you do it. You say, Lord God, forgive me, I sinned. I, I bombed it. I'm sorry. I, what I'm doing is wrong, like Josiah did. He goes, oh, my, oh, we messed up, and God is mad at us for our sin. Yes, friend, God is mad at you for your sin, but he wants to save you from your sin so that he can exert all his anger somewhere else on the sin and not on you. Where's that somewhere else? That somewhere else is on Christ on the cross Amen. so that you can be saved from it. So. <laughs> Now, friends, the Lord is patient with us, and I want you to uh, I want you to hear from Second uh, uh, Peter three nine. It says the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now it says the Lord is long suffering toward us. That means He waits and He waits and He waits for us to come around. Dove, I hate to think about how long it took for him. He waited on me. 
Yes, I was a demonstration of the Lord's grace, mercy, and patience. I often tell people the difference between patience and long-suffering. Okay, let's say I want a donut, and I go to the store. I'm talking about losing weight, and I'm on donuts already. But I go to the store and I buy a donut, like the little chocolate-covered ones in the or the little Debbie or whatever it is. But not a burger and fries. But not a burger and fries, I'm but I'll buy you. the donut. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you stand in line, and the line's not moving very fast. And you're like, oh, gosh, I just want a donut. Okay, but okay, you get your donut and you eat it. You're in the parking lot probably done eating it before you drive off. Okay, that's patience. All right, because you waited to buy that donut. Here's long-suffering. Long-suffering is you got to go buy all the ingredients that it, to make the donut. You have to go buy the fryer. You have to go buy the grease. You have to go assemble it at home. you got to pour the grease in there. you got to heat it up. you got to read the recipe, how to mix the batter. Then you put it in, and you fry it for how long. Then you take it out and let it drain. Then you got to get the sprinkle. And, and after I don't know how much money and all this stuff, now you finally got a donut. Okay, that's long-suffering. Okay, Sounds like it. All right. Scripture says God is not just patient. He is long-suffering toward us, friends. That means he goes above and beyond anything we think. He's waiting on us to finally get it that what we're doing is wrong. Some people say God is so short-tempered. No, he is long-suffering. And, friends, I want you to understand that, that uh, as serious a thing as sin is, God's waiting for you waiting for you, but make no mistake about it. Sin is a bad deal. Dove, I'm thinking about when Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out Mm -hmm. and throw it away. That means get it out of your life and get as much distance between you and it as you can. Not just just a a simple what people do with it. They, They simplify it down too much. Jesus said, basically, get as ruthless with sin as you have to, to get rid of it. Any way you slice it, the wages of sin is still death. Death is, who wants death in their life? Right. It's a bad deal. Mm-hmm. I remember that movie of that guy, he had a computer problem. And so he took the computer out in the backyard and he beat it up with a bat. <laughs> I know so, how I feel sometimes. Yeah, and <laughs> he was as ruthless as he had to be. And friends, that's the way you got to be with sin. You got to be downright ruthless with it. Um, so we have to demonstrate repentance. Or else you're stuck what's, with what's called trash management. Uh, and here's where I'm coming to with that is that, say, mom says, I want you to, to clean the floors, but you sweep it under the rug. You still have that trash in the house. So what you should do is you should vacuum it up and throw the bag outside and get it outside of the mm-hmm. house in the garbage, let the garbage man take it away from your house, and you don't care where it goes as long as it's gone, right? But if you get into trash management, you're going to hide some under the rug. You're going to hide some under the couch cushions or under the couch and maybe under the dog's bed or under the the cabinets. You know, you're not really getting it out. And we have to take sin ruthlessly to get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Don't just relocate it to another place. Well, I'll put it aside for now, but then you'll come around to it eventually. And your house still smells. You know, your life still stinks and you got to get it out friends you're wondering why does life why does life stink so bad get the sin out Amen. get the sin out of your house proverbs 28 13 says he who covers his sins thinking of that rug <laughs> he who covers his sins will not prosper thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.